Brought to you by RunToGold.com, the premier source for monetary science applied to geopolitical, international, and economic financial news and events. Welcome to the sixth episode of the RunToGold.com podcast. The subject for this podcast will be counterparty risk, but like payment risk, it will only be a brief introduction. Wealth can take two forms as either a tangible or financial asset. By extension, currency can be either money or a money substitute or an illusion. The value of financial assets is ultimately tied to someone's promise and their financial capacity to fulfill that promise. Thus, financial assets such as checking, saving, and sweep accounts, stocks, bonds, and Federal Reserve notes are subject to counterparty risk. Cash, or currency, can be either a money which must be a tangible asset, such as gold, or a money substitute, such as a gold certificate, or an illusion, which is just fiat currency, which is what we have today, such as U.S. dollar, well, Federal Reserve note dollars, euros, pesos, etc. And those are are all financial assets. Counterparty, or in other words, credit risk, is the risk of loss due to a debtor's non-payment of a loan or other line of credit, either the principal or interest, such as a coupon, or both. For example, when a dollar is deposited into a bank, the, into a bank account, the depositor becomes an unsecured creditor of the bank, and the value of the dollar is equal to $1 minus the counterparty, or credit risk, of the bank. The price of the dollar may still be a dollar, though. By contrast, tangible assets have intrinsic value and can never be worthless. If you own a tangible asset, such as gold, there are two ways to hold it. Either store it yourself, or work with a custodian to store it for you. But do custodians of tangible assets held in allocated storage have counterparty risk? The answer is no, if the contract is constructed properly. However, their customers do have performance risk, such as the custodian keeping the contract. The customers accept the custodian's promise to complete expected tasks. However, the customers do not rely upon the custodian's financial ability to keep the contract. By analogy, when you leave a suit at the dry cleaner, the title to the suit does not pass to the dry cleaner. And if the dry cleaner declares bankruptcy, you still get your suit back and are not behind any other creditors in the bankruptcy proceedings. So in summary, there is a big difference between counterparty risk and performance risk. In today's uncertain financial environment, avoiding counterparty risk, whenever possible, is prudent. For example, the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, that insures most accounts held with U.S. banks, has recently increased their staff in the Division of Resolution and Receivership, the Bank Failure Division, by 60% from 220 to 360 people. Bear Stearns was subject to over $13.5 trillion of derivative liability, which was added to J.P. Morgan's $93 trillion. Lehman Brothers also evaporated, causing all of their financial assets to which they were a counterparty to become worthless. Combined derivatives exceed $500 trillion or, by some estimates, even $1,000 trillion of risk. 
we can expect more Bear Stearns type events, or Lehman Brothers, or AIG, or Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, or Washington Mutual, or IndyMac to occur in the future. With other national or local banks, such as Citigroup, Citibank, Wachovia, and many others. Only time will tell whether or not they will end in soft landings. Why take any exposure to unnecessary risk? Remove the layers of risk between you and your purchasing power. Anyways, that's been the conclusion of the sixth episode of the RunToGold.com podcast. I hope you enjoy it, and thanks for listening. You've been listening to the RunToGold.com podcast, the premier source for applied monetary science on the web.